Crowd scene. Sometimes a product comes along that you know you don't exactly need, but the way it's made and the skill with which it's presented makes you buy it all the same. That might go some way towards explaining what happened with the Kickstarter campaign run by our guest on Crowd Scene today. You're listening to Crowd Scene, the show about successful crowdfunding campaigns and the people who make them happen. I'm Michael Ogden. And I'm Peter Dean. For more information about this podcast or to subscribe to our newsletter, please visit us at crowdsceneshow.com. Noam Bar Yohai, a London-based product designer, created a set of refillable magnetic felt-tip pens and made such a fun campaign video that it made his product irresistible to thousands and thousands of people. Noam set a goal of just £7,000 in order to bring his product, called Magnetips, to life. After five weeks on Kickstarter, the total amount raised stood at a whopping £260,000. He then took the project to Indiegogo and carried on raising money there, this time in US dollars. In total, his crowdfunding efforts for this one simple product have brought in an impressive $425,000 from 7,000 backers. So let's find out how he did it. That's incredible, Noam. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How would you describe Magnetips to someone who hadn't heard of them before? Yeah. So what I've designed is a set of 20 refillable magnetic pens. We've taken your average kind of coloring pens, but not just made it refillable, which is a bit more environmental. Uh, We put two really, really strong, powerful magnets in it. So all the pens like to stay together, but they also stick to anything around you. You can put them on your light shed, you can put them on your fridge, you can put them on your car, and uh, they become really playful, yeah. And they connect to each other too, right? Yeah, so you don't need a pencil case or a pen cup, they just stand on their own on the table, they just become their own object. And so people, you can build like a house out of them, you can build... You can build a house, you can stick them to your iPad. You need uh, quite a lot to build a house. Mike. I mean, not a house that you can live you in. Can... <laughs> Let's say. Yeah. Uh, you can try. Yeah, a very I'll... drafty house made of pens. Uh, a dog house? A, a doghouse, dog perhaps a doghouse. <laughs> Maybe a, a gerbil house if you're... <laughs> have you seen some playful things that people have made out of your pens? We, we're only giving them to very selected people to try out prototypes. Yep. Uh, but what people try to do, we, a lot of people try to wear them. Yeah, a lot of people try to say, oh, you know, I, I don't have to put it in my bag. I'll just wear them as a bracelet or, or put them as a, wear them as a necklace. And it's kind of a new way to, to take them around. That's awesome. useful if you're wearing like a suit of armor. You can wear it as a as a brooch or something. Or on you, exactly. Some people uh, stuck into their glasses. Um, people put them on their iPad. Are you wearing uh, Are you wearing some pens right now? As we speak to you, uh, I'm, I'd rather not comment. Do you say <laughs> Do you say pens or pants, Mike? I can't tell. <laughs> what makes? I mean, your incredible success on Kickstarter for what are in the end pens, what makes these pens so special and so different from any other pens that make people go crazy for them? I think it's, it's, it's the fact that it's so simple, yet it offers so many possibilities to be playful with. Uh, you, it just doesn't do what your normal pens do. You, 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 you just, I think the element of surprise, once you see a pack of pens and once you, you, you feel that, I mean, that's what we're trying to portray through the video, the, the, the way that they interact with one another. You, you, you treat a set of pens normally as individual items and they don't really relate to one another and the fact that here you kind of uh, the fact that the pens interact with one another creates a a whole new dimension and a lot more possibilities than anyone really thought of and you know it was part of our fun to discover new things that you can do and people keep suggesting things so you can do that with the pens and we thought oh oh yeah we we haven't thought of that (laughs) so they're clearly uh, a lot of fun and the way you 
pitch them are, is, was a lot of fun. But we'll get into that in just a second. Let's just for now, let's go back and um, talk about your background a little bit. You're a product designer, is that right? Yeah, I'm I'm product designer. I was actually a senior designer here in London in a in design studio with a very talented designer called Michael Anastasiades. When I left almost a couple of years ago um, and started to work on my own ideas, um, I thought, how can I um, really uh, try and, and, and do my own stuff yet make it financially viable? And Kickstarter was uh, was something I definitely wanted to try. Was there a particular moment that sparked this idea? I explored a few ideas, actually, that I could launch on Kickstarter. Um, obviously, things that I thought that I liked as products, but I think uh, you have to also understand what works well on the platform. So that's interesting. So you started off with the idea of you wanted to do a crowdfunding campaign and then you went and thought, okay, what product can I come up with that would best suit that platform? I think I I took a lot of my ideas and I I kind of looked at them and I thought which one would be better for a Kickstarter campaign because I have designed things before, uh, whether it's kind of food utensils or lights. And obviously, yes, some lights are very successful on Kickstarter, but um, so what were the what were the other contenders? What were the ones that? Uh, oh, I was working on a, a bicycle bell. I was working on a coffee grinder. I was working on uh, on a few on a few of my favorite ideas that might still come to life. Yeah, I'll tell you the funny thing: the idea for the pen was on my shelf throughout that time. I almost underestimated it. I almost didn't see all the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, with it, uh, but when I started showing it to other people, just casually, they said, "Wait a minute, wh- wh- why? Why are you looking at other things? Look, look at that. That's great. Look, you can do that with it. That with that. That with that." And and then this is when I kind of thought, you know what? Why, why am I looking that far? And you know, sometimes you have to go uh, for a big circle to understand what you, what you've got. And and that was also a product that was very very close to me because I think what how it started is by by looking at utensils and tools that as designers we have around our desks. So it was more natural to me to deal with that uh, because it's a tool that I use every day, markers and pens. And and that's why I think eventually I felt that this is the one thing I want to pursue and, and, and take it to, to a higher level. You mentioned sharing it with your friends. I mean, did you first build a prototype or did you just go out and, and uh, show them drawings? How did you get to that? Uh, yeah, I had, I had a few prototypes uh, going in, in various levels. Um, um, that I yeah that I played around with just to see the aspect of it and and then is is when we looked more professionally at what what we want to achieve out of coloring pens because it's not just about um, I mean it is a playful item but if it doesn't work as a pen as a good pen and there's no logic behind how it performs that was a killer in my eyes so it was kind of along with the playfulness side there was a more investigative side of. Uh, which are who uses coloring pens? What do you use coloring mm. pens for? And the, the the fact that there's a huge coloring for adults scene going on at the moment was a huge impact on the on the mm. company. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. You mean like the adult coloring books? Yeah, yeah. That was uh, oh. that was a major part of our campaign and and understanding their needs and also uh, the fact that we chose to do our pens refillable uh, as opposed to disposable pens. And did you feel like there was so there was a gap in the market that uh, no one was doing what you were doing? In a way, not many people uh, deal with refillable pens because people like uh, people can't can't be bothered with it. This is why we made uh, such uh, we made it um, our to refill our pens in such an easy way, mm-hmm. and it also didn't make sense, obviously, to throw away such a large amount of magnets. So we had to kind of find out 
a new a new solution for that and and it was a bit of a risk because people are not used to that people are used to go go to a shop buy very cheap pens and throw them once they're done and we are trying to teach them something new we say okay buy better quality pens uh with added value and when 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 they finish just just refill them it's it's it seems it seems logical from an environmental point of view as well to me so when people just when we explained that to people they said yeah of course how, how come we never did that before <laughs> and what was your uh, initial attraction to crowdfunding in general why crowdfunding i'm familiar with a few people who did that before um, and i may, i have a good friend who has done a campaign i have a few friends who actually did very successful campaigns it just seems that it's a shame not to try. In the design world, especially here in London, and it's a very crowded scene. And you, sometimes you find yourself chasing companies with different ideas and, and, and concepts, and you, you try to kind of appeal to other companies. And Kickstarter gives you the opportunity to take your faith in your own hands, in a way, and, and try it out. And, and even if you fail, you know, it's not, it's not that dramatic. So, you know, you can still move on. And that's something that people didn't have before. Can I ask you, what, what did you not know going into this that you had to get good at? Whoa. Um, yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm from a design background and the whole part of marketing and social media and crowd building, that was completely new to me. I think that was the biggest effort. Um, again, so in part, in one side, I was working on the campaign. I was uh, Sorry, not on the campaign, on the product, on the development. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, I think I took over a year to to actually study and understand uh, the platform. Mm-hmm. I think people underestimate tremendously the amount of knowledge you have to accumulate and understand and before you launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think some people kind of, uh, even if they have a good idea, they think, okay, that, this product is almost uh, ready, uh, so next week we'll uh, launch it on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, what do we do? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so what sorts of things did you find surprising? That I I actually need to engage with people personally. I um, I don't naturally do that to, to that extent. To to actually move from personal engagement to to engagement as as a, as a brand or as a product is a very different thing to do. Mm. To suddenly present yourself to people and say, you know, I'm I'm a pen maker. I'm I, we, we're doing that new product and um, mm. and present it in a way that that will appeal to people. The whole side of marketing w- was completely new to me. So how did you how did you arrive at your goal of seven thousand pounds? Well, that that's that's a very uh, tricky one to calculate because uh, we went for the minimum that we thought was we, we can achieve, mm-hmm. but it was it was the bare minimum. I mean, on on top of that, we we kind of took the the minimum that we have to take along with our a bit of funds that we had uh, to to have. But we kind of had the statistics in mind that passing ten thousand dollars. Uh, in Kickstarter is uh, is not trivial. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not that easy, and we didn't want to make such a big obstacle for for our backers, mm-hmm. uh, and we wanted to create momentum. So we chose that number. Looking at back, I would have probably put a higher number on. <laughs> easy in <laughs> retrospect, because if it would have stayed at ten thousand, we we still have been able to fulfill, obviously. But that would have taken a lot more personal resources and, and effort. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a bit of a, a, a of a gamble, I admit, but we we had faith in the product, and 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 I'm glad it it paid off. But um, but yeah, it was it was kind of a combination of 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 the funds that we need to complement our basic funds because ten thousand dollars at the end of the day is not that much. But we kind of we took a kind of a calculated risk. What other things might you recommend to people if you're talking about the pre-campaign before you launch? 
because that's fantastic that you spent uh, so long kind of uh, studying the platform. What can you recommend to people that they do before they launch? Yeah, I, I think that people should really um, get everything done month before that they can do it. Everyone says that, but but you shouldn't really underestimate that. I mean, uh, I thought that I was ready to to launch four months before, and eventually I postponed it by almost four months, and I, and I was so happy I did because it just takes time. You need to start engaging with people, with the community, to find who are the people you who would like to get your product, to, to, to buy your product, to expose them to the product, mm. to, to understand what they would like, to speak to them, to open all as many as social channels as you can. And again, I did that in, in about two months before the product, the launch, but I, I would suggest people do it at least six months before. Were you nervous when the, the launch day happened? Yes, I was very. I was very nervous. I was very nervous. It was. Uh, it was not trivial at all. Again, I spent very little resources and money before the campaign uh, because you know there's uncertainty. You, you, no one knows if you you press you press the button and you know nothing happens. And 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 then you know I've spent a lot of time working on that. But there's always uncertainties. But you know. We, we got funded in 16 hours. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that was that was great. And I feel that it's because we, we yeah, we managed to get to the right people before the campaign. So, uh, the, and whenever people ask me for advice, I say, and they ask me, okay, what should we do in the campaign? How should we design the page? And, and you know, and the video, I'm not sure about that. And, 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 and the product and so when I'm saying, but, you know, leave the campaign. The campaign is, is the last thing you do. It, it, you, you should engage with it. With you should basically soft launch it months before the campaign. Mm. Uh, and that's the important time. Uh, mm. if, if you've done that correctly, the campaign will follow. Uh, I think you, you, th- that happened as well. Uh, I think I, I, I heard that in your last interview mm. uh, about the edible spoons. Mm-hmm. They put, and that's a, that's, it's almost a dangerous lesson because people might think that it's so easy to launch a campaign, you know, you can do it in a week. <laughs> day. <laughs> a day. I yeah. think she was unusual. Yeah, she, she, <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she did have what's going off the back of a viral video. She's a real go-getter. Uh, what, uh, what, what people should, should, should take from that is that th- that product, for example, existed for nine years before. Yes. That's yeah. what people forget. So you really need to understand that Kickstarter is, is just, just at the end of that. And uh, no, can you explain what you mean by soft launch? I mean that you should you should start getting traction for people and expose people to your product before people think uh, in a way. I think sometimes I've 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 seen this approach when people say, you know, it's like a surprise party. You know, ta-da! Here's our product. Mm, you know, why yeah. is everyone coming? You know, it's <laughs> like uh, you know, uh, no, you have to show people before. You have to get feedback, even if it's bad feedback. Mm-hmm. You should get people's emails that are interested in your in your product. You should um, you should really you should really treat Kickstarter not as the the beginning of your campaign, but as, a, as one phase of your campaign. One thing I really want to talk about is your video, because uh, I, I thought it was beautifully put together and uh, really imaginative uh, and possibly homemade, I'm guessing. Well, uh, it was half homemade. It was filmed at home. Yeah. Not my home. What, what, what I've done is... Uh, <laughs> a home. Just someone's home. Yeah. yeah. But what I've done actually is, uh, again, we were very short on budget. So me and my son, we filmed the video. Hmm. Well done, son. He filmed me doing a lot of things. I have edited the video uh, very basically on my computer. Mm-hmm. Same same uh, music that you hear at the background. And then I took this to two good friend videographers here in London. And I said, this is what I need. But let's make it good. Ah, <laughs> this time. I see. <laughs> but, that was, um, and, but that facilitated things tremendously. Because oh, I see. So you made, a, you made like a prototype of the video. Yeah, I made a prototype of the video. Ah. And, then, and then I told him, look, this is what we need. This is what... 
Mm. Said, let's do it properly with proper lighting, pro proper cameras. Mm -hmm. It was still, it was videoed in their house. So mm -hmm. very, very low budget in yeah. that, in that sense. Uh, but that also saved money on, on, on production and, 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 um, and the time before production, because yeah. again, I, I knew exactly what, what I needed. And I feel that, uh, it worked, it worked well because I knew, I knew the product best and I, I, I knew which aspects of it will be the most appealing one. It was a lot of fun and you were the, you were the star of the show. You, you put yourself in there and... Well, the pens were the star of the show. The I mean, pens, what, yes. one, one thing that really works is it's so wonderfully visual. You don't have... It crosses different languages. It's, and I immediately thought, well, just, that just looks like a lot of fun to have these pens and fiddling around with them on your yeah. desk, making shapes. Mm. It just looks like a lot of fun. I didn't actually want to speak in the video. Eventually, I'm, I'm speaking at, at the end of the video. But yeah, I thought I thought I must say something. But uh, yeah, if I didn't have to, I, w I wouldn't have. I just thought that you know, let let it show, as you say, show the star, show the product. We, there's not much to explain. It's such a simple concept. And did that come from seeing any another campaign that was inspirational that you thought, oh, that's what I want to do? There's so many. I've I've seen so many videos now. I can't I can't really tell. Mm. I, I think what I've seen I've seen a lot of videos that I don't want to be like. Right. Yes, well, that's helpful <laughs> and, too. And uh, and I see a lot of uh, campaigns that are uh, not focused on the product, but focused on on too much on the story. The story is important, but to a certain certain amount, eventually people want you know people are there for the rewards uh, for in this type of product in this type of projects. You know, sometimes it's for for a cause, and and that's very that's very uh, good. But I when you're in design in that particular niche. People, people want to get down to business. You know, they want to see why you're there and what they're going to get out of it, you know. In addition to that, I would say that even though, the, as Mike said, the pens were the star of the show, there was a lot of your, or at least what I would say is your personality in that video. It's You, you, you clearly come across as someone who's having fun with these pens and somebody who's got, you know, imaginative ideas. And I think that it was very engaging in that respect. And I think uh, that that was, you know, partly why it caught on like the way it did. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah, that was that was my idea. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you, no, and what do you attribute your massive success to? That's a good question. I think the fact that um, coloring is, is quite big now is part of it, mm -hmm. definitely. I think that the fact that people are open to, to coloring for adults, mm -hmm. because, you know, if it was five, ten years ago, selling coloring pens to an adult crowd, which Kickstarter is basically, mm -hmm. would have been harder. So I think there's more acceptance for these type of uh, products now. And also it was, uh, that was part of my um, difficulties and, 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 and the way to produce this video and how to look at it because it's a fun product. It's mm -hmm. very playful, yet Kickstarter is, um, is a, it's an adult platform basically. Mm -hmm. So how do I uh, show something which is very fun and playful and, and almost toy-like Mm -hmm. but still appeal to adult audience and, and show them the benefits. Uh, and that was kind of quite a challenge. So I think we kind of carefully selected the scene and where we shoot it and what we do with it. Uh, obviously, it was, you know, we, we, we did include things which are more childlike, mm -hmm. but we wanted to show adults how they can, you know, not to, not to make adults feel, oh, you know, it's, it's not for me, you know, I'll buy, it, I'll buy it for my kids. But we wanted to show people, wait a minute, you know, just loosen up a bit, just see <laughs> See how you can, you know, play along with it. And I'm, I'm, I think we did that. And this is why people liked it, because they kind of could relate. You know, we gave them an excuse to buy a toy. Yeah. So, again, because I think we engage a lot with the coloring community before the campaign, and, and we try to, to engage people that are into coloring uh, before and, and, and tell them about the product, I think they are, they are the ones who really... Uh, 
uh, followed us from the beginning. Now you yeah. had a, you had a great ride. Did you? Was there anything that you really disliked about crowdfunding, or that you felt like, oh, this sucks? Uh, well, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, it's very sleepless. I mean, uh, again, I didn't have any a, a big team running the campaign itself. Uh, it's very very demanding. Mm. Uh, I was engaged with backers all the time. Uh, I mean, it mm. is good. I think it's it's very beneficial to to hear what people think. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, it's a lot of work. If yeah. you're if you're building like an ideal crowdfunding campaign team. Do you have any sense of what kinds of people would be on it, like a, a social media manager, or like what, what what would the makeup be of that ideal team? I think definitely social media managers, definitely, definitely, definitely. If I had the time and perhaps the the money to do that uh, upfront, I would I would have done that. Uh, that would have been uh, tremendous. Uh, also, it, it clears. Uh, the way to do other things in parallel, like uh, still work on the design and and also customer support. You know, some someone to, to deal with backers on a day to day basis. So I think a, a team of about three people is ideal, at least. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, it was mostly me. <laughs> uh, no, unfortunately, I really I really enjoyed every bit of it, but uh, I took things to my hand, and even that my partner w- was part of it. Mm. I was. Um, you know, she was more on the creative side mm. of the graphics, and and I, I was there to to deal with the day to day running of it. But it's a it's a big chore. So you set your goal at seven thousand pounds. You made two hundred sixty thousand pounds. That's such a massive, massive difference. I mean, how was your reaction to that? Very good, obviously. I was I was thrilled. I was thrilled. I was, I was I wasn't really I didn't really know what to expect uh, when we when we just launched. Tell you the truth, we we never thought it will get this big and and we really appreciated the fact that people really liked the idea and and, and fell in love with it was there a specific day that it, where it really took off well as 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 campaigns normally do you've got you've got a good start if, if it's a good campaign and then it goes kind of flat and then at some point i think uh, about three weeks before it ended we started investing more in in advertisement ah. and, and this is when it picked up again and I think this is something people uh, are afraid sometimes to do. I think once you have uh, a good campaign and a page that converts well, converts, I mean, in a way that it means that people come to your page, they like what you've done, they, mm-hmm. they appreciate your work, and, and they end up pledging for it. Mm-hmm. And once you understand that this formula works, that actually when people actually get to your page, they actually end up um, back in your project because it's a good project and they like you. Uh, that's when then people should not be afraid to to invest some of the funds or mm-hmm. tentatively some of the funds in advertisement because uh, the page works. You just need to bring the people. The and people are just not seeing it. And we once we understood that we're 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 more confident to to invest more in advertisement. By advertising, do you mean uh, social media? What what is it? What do you mean? Mainly, mainly social media. Yeah, okay. mainly on social media. But again, Facebook, people, Twitter. I think, I think it was main, mainly mainly Facebook that brought people. Mm-hmm. In. Yeah, and uh, and again, I think people have to understand that you have to keep feeling the campaign. The campaign. Every day, it's 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 alive, and I like that phrase. You have to keep feeding the campaign. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, again, once we understood that, as you said, that, that that it's working, that the platform is working, that you know we already funded. It means that people like the idea. It means yeah. that people will follow it. Now you're in, you know you go down the ranking Kickstarter, 
the people are not seeing it. Once you can bring it to their attention, mm -hmm. you can make a small calculation and see how much is worth in investing in, in advertisement. And once you, you understand that, you know, it takes out the fear in investing a lot of money. People, people say, I wouldn't want to invest a lot of money in, in, in advertisement, but it just, you know, it's, it's, it's part of it. It's, it feeds itself. So once your campaign on Kickstarter wrapped up, you moved it over to Indiegogo's in-demand service. Um, can you just explain to people what that is and why you did that? Yeah. So in-demand is basically, uh, it's more like a, a web shop in a way. It's a pre-order platform. So you can present your, uh, your uh, campaign, but uh, it's not limited by time. So after Kickstarter, obviously, you have to end your campaign after uh, uh, 60 days max. But Indiegogo in demand lets you keep it there for as long as, as you want, basically. But it's still presented as a campaign. So people understand that they're not that they can contributing to, to an unfinished product, to, to, yeah. to a campaign in a way. But it's just not as, as limited. And it was helpful for us because the campaign itself is very self-explanatory and it was very easy to us from day one to just move on the campaign as opposed to building a whole new pre-sale platform that will be as effective as the campaign itself. Yes. And uh, at that point, you also switched to uh, dollars, US dollars. Why was that? Yeah. Yeah, because during the campaign, we learned that uh, around 80% of our backers came from the US. So we thought, okay, if this is the case, let's just, you know, let's just appeal to the people that are, uh, uh, that, that visit the campaign and make it easier on them. Yeah. And that was- uh, and It's made something like another fifty or $60,000 on Indiegogo, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, something around that figure. Yeah. And what does that extra money allow you to do? Uh, Party. <laughs> yeah. Well, that money is, yeah, people sometimes forget that that money is actually product that people buy that we have to buy from the, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, to pay for and manufacture and then deliver. Deliveries, uh, people also underestimate deliveries. That's a major cost of the campaign, mm. uh, far, far more than production and, and, and the cost of the products. Mm -hmm. uh, worldwide deliveries is a major cost factor. But what we did allow us to do is introduce uh, an upgraded version of the pen right after the campaign. So basically, uh, we made an improvement that we presented to backers uh, of the pen and it, it had great responses. So basically, we decided to invest slightly more in, in development time and in tooling to, to send backers a better, a better product. And what's next? Uh, would you go back to crowdfunding again? Uh, I think I will at some point. Yeah, I think I think we, we will definitely. It, it will be a great way to to kind of reconnect with with our original backers and give them the opportunity to first uh, get first hands on on our next products. Uh, are, you, are you happy that you quit your job now? Oh yes, I was. I was happy there. I've, I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Noam, you ran a great campaign. What advice do you have for anyone out there who wants to start their own campaign? Can you give us your top tips for crowdfunding success? Not everyone's raised, I mean, I don't know how, what the percentage is, but from 7,000 to 425,000, that's a pretty good return. So you, there must be some sort of secret sauce you got going on. <laughs> yeah. there, um. I'll, give you, I'll, 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 um, I'll give you a quote that correlates to that. Uh, Seth Godin, if you, if you know him, once mm, said, yeah. don't try and, and make a product for everybody because that is a product for nobody. So you, you can take that sentence and also change the word product to the word campaign. Mm. So, and that, that's, I think that's the best bit of advice because first of all, choose your products wisely and, and see who relates to it, who, who are the people that will stand behind a product like that and whether these are the people that are likely to pre-order and, and fund this product on, on, on Kickstarter. So you have to understand 
who are the people that are more likely to trust Kickstarter as a platform or Indiegogo or crowdfunding mm-hmm. and see that the product that you make uh, is right for them. But also later on, try and aim the campaign to them. Some people think, oh, I have to bring everyone to the campaign. You know, we'll make, let, let, let's just, uh, you know, we'll make it as cool as we can because everyone should see that. But mm. Everyone is, is very dangerous in terms of in, in, when it comes to crowdfunding. You should, you should, I think the more you, you pinpoint it on, on a very specific type of people and crowd and, and backers, that's how you, you more, the more you're going to succeed because people will follow. You know, have your core group, see who most likely to like your product, engage with them, um, show them the product, get feedback. And these are the people who should be there from day one in your campaign. Later and, on, other people will follow, no, no doubt. And what, what was the most effective way, what was the most effective thing you did to reach your core group of people? Was it via the internet? What was, what did you do to get there? Yeah, it was, it was via the internet. It was via uh, Facebook and, and, and we started um, a mailing list before the campaign of people who wanted to, uh, to, to, to find out more about our products. Uh, and these are people that, that we emailed when the campaign was launched and we said, you know, guys, it would, we'd, we'd be, we'd love if you'd be there first, you know, you, you can be an early bird and, and mm-hmm. get a great deal on our own, just launch a newly launched product. And what do you think the number one thing is that, about your product that appealed to them? What was the one thing? I'm, I'm happy that the product has this, uh, why didn't I think of it myself? Uh, mm-hmm. Halo, you know. Because it's so simple, and because it's almost it almost looks like a normal pen when you look at it, but then, but then you understand that you know um, what it can do. I think I think this is what appeals to people. Before we wrap up, Noam, uh, it's time for guest picks, and this is where our guest tells us about another crowdfunding campaign, uh, whether it's past or present, that they think is worth taking a look at. What have you got for us? Well, uh, there is a campaign which was actually one of the first campaigns to come out of Spain on Kickstarter uh, by a very good friend of mine. It's already finished. They're still working on, on honing their, their production. And it's called the Oval. Oval is basically a new digital instrument that was based on, on, a, on a handmade Swiss instrument, which is a sort of a steel drum. And uh, it's a really good story because it's a combination between, a, between an artist, a musician, and, and a tech guy that came together to execute this new digital, digital instrument, which was uh, never around. And I think uh, they had a huge success on Kickstarter. And I think this is what people liked about it, the fact that it, it's very techy, but on the other hand, it, it's, it's very... Uh, it's very dramatic. It's it's very artistic in a way. As opposed to the original instrument, which was just limited to eight eight notes, yeah. this one is become it becomes a full controller and it's controlled by an app, so you can have any instrument you want on it, basically. Oh, so it's like a synthesizer. It is a synthesizer, but it's shaped like a um, round UFO. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's called that. that's called Oval and uh, over on Kickstarter. We will uh, we'll post a link to our to that on our show notes. Good pick. Thanks, Noam. Uh, Noam, listen. Before we go, can you leave us with some words of wisdom? Is there a quote that inspires you? Any words to live by? Um, be a first-rate version of yourself, not a second-rate version of someone else. Excellent. That's by Judy Garland, and I think that's that relates to kind of. The honesty that you have to portray in Kickstarter, mm. you have to be to really try and, and and show people who you are and what you are. Because if if you know, people will read through it and and you know will will be hesitant before they back you. Yes, I think that's right. I haven't heard that one before. That's excellent. And where can people go online to find out more about you and Magnet Magnetips? Let's yeah. do that again. Um, yeah. so, uh, hold on. Sorry, no. Let me do that again. Just because Magnet Net. 
Magnetips. Magnetips. No, you didn't. Magnetips. Yeah, Magnetips. 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 Come on, man. Say after me. Magnetips. Magnetips. (laughs) Magnetips. Oh, boy. And where can people go online to find out more about you and your product? uh, Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. You can look at uh, magnetips.co. That's our website to mm-hmm. find out more information. And uh, as you mentioned before, we're still uh, taking pre-orders on Indiegogo for people who missed our original campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, still on, on almost uh, the original campaign uh, prices before uh, we put it up for uh, proper retail prices. So, uh, yeah, we, we still appreciate people that are willing to put their trust in us. And, and that's why we, we're keeping the prices uh, low for our backers. Uh, so, Noam, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for uh, talking to us today. Sure. Thanks a lot for uh, yeah, having me on the show. It's great. So you've been listening to CrowdScene, the show about successful crowdfunding campaigns and the people who make them happen. Our big thanks to our guest, Noam, for his time and insights in this episode. To find out more about Magnetips, visit magnetips.co. And to get in touch or hear about upcoming guests on this podcast, please follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CrowdScene Show. If you like the podcast and would like us to make more, a great way to support the show is to write a review on iTunes. It just takes a second and helps us reach more listeners. Thank you. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to CrowdScene on iTunes or any other podcast app. Thanks also to Kim Bookbinder for the CrowdScene theme music. Check her out at kimbookbinder.com. So until next time, from Mike, from Pete, thanks for listening. Michael Epic.